Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. I'm narrating from Exodus 3, verse 1 through 7, and then 10 through 12. Moses was taking care of the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, Median priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert and came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's message appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to him, let me check this out. Check out this amazing sight and find myself. Why isn't the bush burning up? Then the Lord saw this, and so the Lord called out, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, yes, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the father of your, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. Now we're skipping to 10. So set so get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring the people of Israelite out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, "Who am I to go Pharaoh and the bright and to bright the bring the Israelis out of Egypt?" God said, "I'll be with you, and this will show you that I am the the one who sent you." And after you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here to the, and worship God on this mountain. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! So this morning, we're continuing our series on stewardship. And I have a phrase that I'm going to say that I hope gets you plugged in just a little bit. Just because something is cheap doesn't mean you want it. Sometimes you want to pay full price. I've got a thing. It's tattoos. I love tattoos. I got my first tattoo, and it's, it's in a spot where I could wear long sleeves because I didn't know if I could be a pastor and have tattoos. And then I started meeting some more pastors and realized the least of our worries was whether or not they had ink underneath their skin. And so I decided to get a few more. But whenever you get tattoos, the conversation is, what does that tattoo mean to you? For me, it's, I like your peach. It's clearly not a peach. I just want to make an announcement. It's an orange. Peaches have bums, right? I mean, I said bum just now. Oh my gosh, twice while preaching. Anyways, dial it in, Michael. But then also they ask, Where, where'd you get it done? Where'd you get it done? And I'll say, it's, you know, Dane Donker here in town. And he's, he's great. I think he's wonderful. Sometimes people will say, I got mine done for $25 at the mall. Which if you've done that and you like your tattoo, fantastic. 
But sometimes people say that and you go, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like you got that done for $25. There's a few things you don't want to price hunt on. When you get a high price on a tattoo, I think you probably just want to stick with that. If you can haggle them, maybe, but you don't necessarily want to find the cheapest option. You don't necessarily want to find the cheapest car insurance because if you get a flat tire, you might end up be paying it for the rest of your life. I think sometimes, especially here in America, we're so focused on finding a deal that we forget sometimes we want to pay full price. That'll make more sense as we talk. So we take what God has given to us and we spread it out. That's what stewardship is. Stewardship is the churchy word for how we take what God has given us, time, talent, and treasure, which means our money, and we spread it around with other people. Uh, churches spend a little while every year talking about this because no one ever really wants to talk about money. And when you don't talk about money, churches are not able to do as much as churches need to do. Do you guys understand that this world is in desperate need of churches that are generous? Like in desperate need of Christians that care enough about their community that they're going to miss out on a cup of coffee or some other thing so that they can be truly, truly generous. Because without churches that care, the world will stay just as hopeless and lonely as it is. And we do this because we are participants in God's work. We are not spectators. We are not watching from the sideline what God is doing. We are getting in the game. I played football in high school. I played junior varsity, and I was very good at junior varsity. I got called up to varsity for one game. I did not do very well on varsity. I did a lot of, all right, guys, good job, from the sidelines, and I did not get to participate. I think sometimes, Christians, we think that we're, we've been called up to varsity, and we get to sit on the bench, but I don't know how to tell you this. There is no bench in God's kingdom. We all participants. And we do this because God is not done yet. God is at work in our lives. God is not done working in our lives because we have things that need to change in our lives and our community has things that need to change. And ultimately, we practice stewardship as a church, as Christians, because a life of faith is precious. It is valuable. It is meaningful. Friends, the thing I'm going to say a lot today, the, the thing I hope gets stuck in your head before we leave today is this. Faith that costs nothing is not worth having. Faith that costs nothing is not a faith worth having. So our passage that you see this morning is about Moses. Moses is essentially a nobody on the run. He's been canceled by community. He may or may not have a little bit murdered a guy and then covered it up and ran away. Just a little bit. Don't make such a big deal about it. But he is on the run. He, he had to leave Egypt as fast as possible. And now he's going to spend the rest of his life hanging out with sheep. A cultural no one. Forgotten by the world. And yet God chooses Moses and sees that Moses is the perfect candidate. Last week, we talked about how when we bring all of our baggage, all of our trouble, all of our doubts, all of our fears to God, God says, finally, all the ingredients that I need to bring about beauty in the world. When we bring all of our failures, our fears, our doubts, our hangups, God works with those things. Moses has a bushel full of those things. He's on the run. He's forgotten his time in Egypt. He is, he is a cultural no one. 
and God calls Moses. But when God calls Moses, Moses is not certain that God has called the right person. Moses has a list of reasons why God meant to call someone else. He tells God that he has a thick tongue, which is a weird thing to read. But what he means is, I'm no good at talking. I'm bad at speaking publicly. Why would anyone listen to me? I'm a nobody. To which God says, exactly, Moses. Let's get to work. Because faith that costs nothing is not a faith worth having. We, as followers of Jesus, when we read this passage, we have to ask if we believe what God promises. We have to ask ourselves if we believe what God promises. That's what we have to ask ourselves. When we see God calling Moses, we have to ask ourselves, can God still call me as well? I have a friend, a mentor of mine. He's a little bit older than me. And pastors, when we get together, sometimes it's a good time and sometimes it's pretty boring if I'm terribly honest. But sometimes a really interesting story that you can hear is, what's your call story? You know, when you get a bunch of pastors together, what you've got is a bunch of women and men that said out loud to a lot of people, God talks to me. That's unique, right? You don't say that at the water cooler if you work in an insurance agency, right? Unless you want to have a conversation with HR, right? And so instead, when you're around pastors, you can say, you know, I have a call story. And for me, it's something like I I was raised in the church and church was a safe place for me and the spirit compelled me to create those safe spaces for kids. And so that's why in our worship service, it was really loud for the first 30 minutes because we had a bunch of kids in here, but it's a safe place. And now they're outside just destroying our playground is the hope, is the prayer, right? And they're having fun. That's, that's, That's my call story. And it's similar you might have someone, you know, I was an attorney and God called me into this. I was, I was this, I was that and the other. This friend of mine, this mentor of mine said, well, I was plowing the field. And everyone stopped talking. And everyone put their coffee down and said, plowing the field? What do you mean? Well, this pastor, again, was in a different generation is the way that I'll put it. He was a, a bit more seasoned than I was. And he was helping his dad, his pa, plowing the field. And he said, and then I heard God say, Bernard, I need you to be a pastor. And I left the plow when I went to my church. And everyone decided that he won the storytelling competition because his call was the coolest. You know, I had like a a wooing in the spirit. God didn't go, Michael. That would have been much cooler, like Morgan Freeman's voice coming from the sky, like, I need you to be a pastor. And instead, that, that was the call. Moses had a similar thing, except it came from a bush that was burning but wasn't consumed. It was miraculous. And when faced with that miraculous calling, Moses goes, I think you meant to show up in a different bush. You dialed the wrong number, God. This is the wrong person for you to call. How often, friends, we as followers of Jesus, do we think that God has dialed the wrong bush? How often do we think God is actually calling someone else, calling a good Christian, calling a good follower of God? He didn't mean to call me. But what was needed of Moses, this was not a simple ask. When God called Moses to save his people Israel, Israel didn't exist. If you've ever watched The Prince of Egypt, that lovely documentary on Disney+, Plus, the cartoon that describes Moses' exodus of, of bringing the people of Israel out, 
you can tell who the Israelites are because they all live together. And in that cartoon, to make it understandable for kids and people like me, uh, they, they all have a relationship. They're all together. But the thing about that story that, that you need to really dig deeper on is this. They didn't have any solidarity. They were just enslaved people that were together. When the only thing you have in common with someone is that you have the same boss that isn't kind to you, you don't have a lot in common. You don't share stories around the campfire. You're typically sad and tired and you go to sleep early, right? You don't have this community. What Moses needed to do was to show up and say, Israel, and for everyone around them to go, who? Who are you talking about? We're just enslaved people. We don't have an identity. So he had to create an identity. But you know who did exist? Egypt. Egypt extra existed. They had chariots. They had horses. They, they could put ice in their drink. They very much existed. And Moses needed to show up with a stick and a word from God and hope that he could take them on. Big, big things were coming out of this bush. And who was he? He was a convict who watched over sheep. He didn't have a wonderful resume. No one was thinking, do you know who should lead the people of Israel? That guy who talks to bushes. No, they were probably thinking an actual leader in their community. But Moses had to show up again just with a stick and a word from God and say, great news, I'm here. It's time to get to work. It's time to throw off the yoke of oppression. It's time to be free. See, friends, faith that costs nothing is not a faith worth having. And who are we here at this church we're saying, who is Moses then? Who, who are we? Well, who we are is a place for the unchurched and de-churched. I love having conversations with people about the church that they grew up in. I love that there are a few, we call them cradle Methodists, meaning that they were born in a Methodist church, essentially, and they, in the narthex, probably, and then they, they came all the way up through confirmation and MYF and, you know, did that whole progression. And I love that there are people in this church that the first time their shadow darkened the door of a church was right outside, that this is their only understanding of what church is. And one day, if they go to a different church, they're going to be very confused because we are not like most churches. <laughs> they'll walk into like a high church downtown and be like, where's the coffee maker? And they'll be like, uh, behind the stained glass windows. That's where it is. And I also love that I get to go to church with people that, yeah, they grew up in church and it wasn't a good time. They grew up in a church that taught them that God was someone to be afraid of. They grew up in a church that told them they weren't enough, that God made them wrong that they had to change in order for God to welcome them in. I love that we get to be a place where I get to tell them what is a lie and what is the truth. Amen? We are a place for the unchurched and the de-churched. If you love church, Shepherds is a great place for you. If church was the worst experience of your childhood, Shepherds is a great place for you. I love being that place for this neighborhood. We're a place that shares and shows grace. We're a place that shares grace, but also shows grace. We make grace something that people can see. God's love, God's care, God's provision is something that we take out of the, the uh, ephemera of the world around us and hand to people in the form of frozen turkeys at Medela Elementary, in the form of a, a cell phone paid for for the pastor of La Florida. We get to show a tangible sign of God's grace. We get to show a tangible sign of God's grace when we share 
communion. We, we take grace out of our minds and put it into people's stomachs, into people's hearts, into the world around us. We're not just a church that talks, we're a church that does. So not next week, but the week after that, we're not going to have worship at 10 a.m. We're going to have worship at 9 a.m. and 10.30. It's going to be an opportunity for us to show the community around us that there is more room for them. The reason why we are starting a second service is not because it is easy. We are not starting a second service because it is the logical and easiest thing for us to do. We are starting a second service because all of us, all of those that lead this church, all of us here in these seats, are just, we're just heaven bent on creating a community for more people. We know that if you want traditional worship, right now, you can't come to Shepherds. The pastor wears jeans and we sing songs with drums. If you want high church, you can't come here. We don't have a space for you. But starting October 22nd, we will. Starting on October 22nd, you'll have an opportunity to worship in a way that was either traditional for you or new for you. And you'll also have a chance to come and worship in a way that it's modern and contemporary. We are a people who know and love our neighborhood. This church, if I had to summarize our church in just a few words, I would say that we are people who know and love our neighborhood. We are for this city. We are for this neighborhood. We love this community. And starting a second service shows our community that we are for them. And friends, love of neighbor must cause us to reach beyond easy. It is not easy to be a good neighbor. It requires work. It requires care. And it doesn't just require, you know, an easy text. It requires heart work. But faith that costs nothing is not a faith worth having. So what is faith? Well, faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. Faith is what we believe can be and is our proof of what we hope for. You see, without faith, we are wasting our time. If we don't have faith in a God that's bigger than the troubles that we have, without faith, we are wasting our time. And James 2.26 says this, as the lifeless body is dead, so faith without actions is dead. Faith is not a complacent wait and see. Faith is not saying, well, I believe that Jesus is coming back, so I'm going to go ahead and use styrofoam and not care about this planet. I'm just passing through. Faith is not saying, well, you know, I would, I would care about poverty in my neighborhood, but hey, you know, one day I'm going to die. And I'll just move on. It'll be fine. I'll be dead. That's not what faith is. Faith instead is hearing what God says to us and getting agitated enough until we know all of our neighbors know it as well. We give as an action of our faith. Why do we give? We give as an action of our faith because faith that costs nothing is not a faith worth having. So what was required of Moses? Moses had to speak up. See, being a Christian requires us to advocate for people on the margin, people that are ignored, people that aren't in the center view, people that don't get news stories told about them. It requires us to speak up for them. Moses had to go all in. The people of Israel didn't get freed if Moses treats his faith as a hobby. 
Moses had to go all in. He had to leave his family behind. He had to go to Egypt. He spent 40 years in the wilderness. He had to be all in. It could not be a hobby. Moses fails without God's provision. See, I think the church sometimes forgets that we don't do this on our own. And I might be the the chief among sinners for this as well. I think sometimes, oh, maybe, maybe I can just be charming, funny, smart enough to accomplish what God has called me to do. And that is typically when I fall flat on my face. Typically when I think, oh, I I got this. I can do this. I read a book once. And oh, I can lead these people in a way that will work. That's when I fail. Because I know that if God is calling us to something greater and bigger than we can imagine, we're going to need God's grace to accomplish it. And lastly, what I want you to hear is that faith as fire insurance only is not worth Christ's life. This was the faith that was taught to me as a kid. Why do we follow Jesus? So that when we die, we don't burn for eternity. Now, faith is a part of that. Faith is a part of what we speak into our eternity. We, I relish in the joy of knowing I will spend eternity with God, and I know that if I am lucky, I get another 50, 60, who knows, 70 years. Science is going great. Why would I waste that time? Why would I let that fly by? Why wouldn't I allow these moments, these days, to make a difference in the life around me? Why would I treat my faith as something that just saves my soul after I die? More than money, giving of our whole lives is what is needed. When we commit to tithe, we commit a significant part of who we are. It is a conversion of our heart and our purse. It changes us. See, some things aren't worth saving on. You don't want 20% off on a tattoo. You don't want to find the cheapest and least expensive uh, drywall company or, or uh, someone to paint your walls. You, you want to go ahead and make sure that they're good at what they do. But a faith that's at a discount, isn't worth it either. Let's pay our whole lives to bring about the kingdom because faith that costs nothing is not a faith worth having. Let's pray together. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.